welcome to the Good Good Experience Podcast. Where related minds talk about related topics. And we all just happen to be related. Buckle up, this is going to be a good one. We've got that good good experience podcast. I said a hip the hip it, the hip it, the hip hip hop, you don't stop. Rock it out, baby, bubble to the boogity bang bang, the boogie to the boogie beat. Now, what you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I'd like to say hello. Or to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, and the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie. Say up, jump, the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop. Rock the rhythm that'll make your body rock. Well, so far, you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man, Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out. Oh, yeah. You hear it, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, another exciting episode of We've Got the Good Good Experience Podcast, where related minds talk about related topics, and we all just happen to be related. Hi, again, I'm Marcus Moses. And what you just heard was the Sugar Hill Gang with Rapper's Delight. So that only means one thing. We're celebrating 50 years of hip-hop. Yes, 50 years of hip hop bliss, and before we get into it, guys, I'm telling you, before we get into it, can't do this without my cousin co host Kimmy. What's going on? My is starting. Happy 50th anniversary to hip hop, good, good family. Yes, yes, yes. A genre that they said would not last 50 years mm. later. Here we are, Here by no Brown. What's going on, man? What's up, Marcus? What's up, Kimmy? Yes, it's not a fad. It's the real deal. And we are here to celebrate the good good of hip hop. Happy 50th. Happy 50th indeed to hip hop, a genre that has really done what it's done. I mean, just really like taking over the world, so to speak. I feel comfortable in saying that, guys. It really has taken oh, over has, the world. Definitely. It, it really has. Again, like I said, something that was supposed to be a fad, it was supposed to fade out. 50 years later, we're still here. So much to talk about, guys. As we get ready to get into our music here in just a few minutes, we kind of like how the shift here we had. We were going to go with 2002 this week, but however, there was no way with the number one music podcast on the internet not celebrate hip hop, indeed. And so here we are, our skim list, to say the least. We'll have part two here later on. But nevertheless, we got some great songs for you, and we're going to get to it in just a minute. But before we do, guys, Instead of a good, good segment, we're going to go around the table and just kind of like talk about exactly what hip hop means to you. Let's start with you, Byron. What do you think? I was going to say ladies first, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Byron, go ahead. It's in the farthest away, Byron. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, gosh, when I think of hip hop, I just think of the far reachings of influence that it had. I can think back to junior high school, really, when it came into full flow and everybody started mimicking what they were seeing, like from the images from New York, from beyond. And I think from that, it just influenced a whole host of other artists, the Atlanta region, New Orleans, far reaching. It was amazing just to see how hip hop just began to metamorphosize into so many different subgenres. You know, you got the bounce, you got the dirty South. Then you go into the like trip hop, you go into hip house, you go into all of these other different segments of hip hop. And it's just amazing 
where the culture has gone. And then once you think about the artists themselves, how they've grown, those who have been like very genuine and true to the game, how they graduated from being MCs to actual actors, actresses, when award-winning actresses, producers, authors, all of that good stuff. So yeah, it's influenced so much in our lifetime. Yeah. A- absolutely. absolutely. And my next, Marcus. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number one, I have to say 1973 was like the greatest year, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you realize that this genre genre was a creation that was born in the depths of the hood, in the muck and the mire, and has changed the lives of oh so many people that may have ended up dead or in jail if not for this genre. It has made millionaires and billionaires from people who would have been just hundredaires and barely scraping by. It fed babies and turned regular schmegler people into stars, stylists, designers, and it just has changed the fabric of our culture, period. And not just like Byron said, not just our culture, but the culture of the world. Everyone is trying to mimic what we've done. And even though very few have been able to to tap into this genre many few outsiders have been able to tap into this genre unless you were really really good but still it's still our culture no matter who tries to imitate it you know where it came from absolutely for me as a young man growing up in southwest georgia you know we only got like bits and pieces of especially the music and whatnot Nobody was really into the tag thing with the with the, the graffiti art and stuff like that down here. It was hard to get a hold of some of the clothing, the types of fads that was going on as far as like clothing was concerned. However, you know, as time progressed and the, the, the culture grew, it became more accessible. So for me, and I was as you guys were talking, I was trying to think of a particular artist that really kind of like like, hey, gave me that interest of want to, you know, learn more about hip hop. The only thing I could, the only people I could think of was, you know, Salt and Pepper. You play, they played a lot of Salt and Pepper. You would push it. Uh, <laughs> you know, heard heard that a lot back in the '80s. People like Public Enemy were trying to get the message across. N.W.A. And and so as those guys began to grow, you know, my interest began to grow as well. And so for me, you know, hip hop will always have a special place in my heart. Not just for the music, but for like the art, the the clothes, the videos, the videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to get the videos. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the shows like, you know, uh, Video Soul and, you know, think of that, you know. Rap and, um, City. Rap, rap City. City. Yes, yes, yes. Yo yes. MTV Raps. Yo MTV yes. Raps, yes. I'm so thankful for those shows for making sure that hip-hop stays relevant going forward. And here we are 50 years later. We're celebrating 50 years of wonderful bliss. And so I'm just happy to be here to be able to celebrate to be a part of it. And so, you know, without further ado, I think there's nothing up to it but to do it, guys. What do you think? Hey. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, what's first, Kim? So, like I said, we cannot do this without paying homage to those who came before. And one of the things that Rap was also able to do was talk about 
what's going on in the world. Even though they may try to silence us, we were able to to put out a message. And this is the message from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Broken glass everywhere People pissing on the stage You know they just don't care I can't take the smell Can't take the noise Got no money to move out I guess I got no choice Rats in the front room Roaches in the back Junkies in the alley With the baseball bat I tried to get away But I couldn't get far Cause a man with the touch truck repossessed my car Don't push me Cause I'm close to the edge I'm trying not to lose my head <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes It makes me wonder how I keep from going under And that was Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five The message Ooh. is a song by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five It was released as a single by Sugar Hill Records on July 1st, 1982 And was later featured on the group's debut studio album of the same name now, the message is essentially a seven-minute dissertation on Reaganomics and the effects on urban America. And it was written by Sugar Hill house band percussionist Ed Fletcher, a.k.a. Duke Booty, as a song for himself. The message is regarded as the first rap song to inject social commentary into the relatively new genre. Mm. And hearing those lyrics, it can stand today. Huh. It and what, what was this 30 years ago 30 years right? ago and, and no i think it was 35 might have been more than that really but oh, when the, yeah, when the message oh yeah that was almost 40 years almost 40, 40 yeah. years yeah and it's that's amazing that's amazing no it's actually 41 years oh my god wow <laughs> <laughs> and that shows you how hip-hop influenced the world because people tapped into what related to them it was highly relatable in the message and it spoke directly to what was happening in the communities yeah yeah you know, for me i was taken back to a scene in dream girls where jimmy early tries to make this message record mm-hmm. and then fox's character turns it down it's like hey this is a message record and they were getting ready they were like in the disco times they were getting ready mm-hmm. to transition into the disco era you know where, where it was all about you know just dancing and getting high and stuff like that Mm-hmm. And here comes hip hop, still a baby, and this message, and the, literally the song called "The Message," comes about to tell about what's really going on in, in, in these neighborhoods, you know, these inner city neighborhoods, and everything. And so, I'm thankful for this song because you know it kind of opened everybody's eyes to what was really going on, mm-hmm. and it used a brand new platform to do that. And so, if you think about cornerstones of hip hop, this is absolutely one of one of you got Sugar Hill Gang, and then you have this song right here, you know, which are pretty much build the building blocks of hip hop. Exactly, it was a vivid story, and you know, one other artist that will be featured throughout our celebration of hip hop, Curtis Blow, is another one that provided just massive, massive storytelling within the artistry. So, yeah, we got a cornerstone yes. right here. This gem right here is a cornerstone, and we definitely will feature Curtis Blow on part two, but we had so many artists that we had to include on this show that yeah. that's why we have to do a, a part two. Yeah, possibly a part three, but what about <laughs> 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 yeah. But what other artists are you talking about there, Kim? Next up, we have Public Enemy, another artist 
It's all about the message. And with Rebel Without a Pause. Mm. Yes, the rhythm, the rebel. Without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The hard drama, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling? You know it's time again. D, the enemy, telling you to hear it. They play the music, it's time to play the lyrics. Some say no to the album, the show. Bum rush the sound. I made a year ago. I guess you know. You guess I'm just a radical. Not on sabbatical, yes, to make it critical. The only part of your body should be part of it too. Pass the power on the hour from the rebel of you. Hey, yo, Chuck, man. I don't understand this, man. Yo, you got to slow down, man. You're losing them. Radio. Suckers never play me. All the mix. They just don't hear me now. No one they grow. When the clock in my zone is no sneaking and taking everything that the brother owns. Mm, the rebel the rebel yeah yeah hey guys that was public enemy with rebel without a pause from the 1988 album takes the nation of millions to hold us back which was one of my favorite albums of all time the title is a reference to the 1955 film rebel without a cause chuck d flavor Flav, fresh griff all those guys really did their thing on this album that album also featured the song brother's gonna work it out which is another one of my favorite joints Public Enemy just basically, we talked about how Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five tried to take hip-hop that was something that was so young to try to implement a message to the world. Public Enemy just did it and took it, did it times 10. They put you on blast of what was really going on in the world, and they were not ashamed of it. They didn't shy away from it, and this is one of their many, many, many singles from their repertoire. What do you guys think of it? Well, Public Enemy is... The number one group I think of, or act, I should say, that I think of when it comes to activism in hip hop. Mm. And they were really the ones that just started to stir up some stuff, you know. Yeah, they did. Stir up some yeah. stir up some stuff to get people not just talking about what was happening in the community, but putting forward some action to help confront and correct a few things. I mean, yeah. what can you say about public enemy? 911 is a joke. Yeah. Um <laughs> Don't believe the hype. I mean, I mean, they would say the things that were going on in your head, especially if you were living in the inner cities. Everything that you were thinking, Public Enemy would say it and, and put the message out there. What's really going on? And I love them. <laughs> and I knew hip hop was crossing over into some interesting realms when Public Enemy ended up on Soul Train. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know when hip hop was on Soul Train, like it was very rare you would, you know have a lot of hip hop on Soul Train. But when they were actually on Soul Train, that was a huge moment. Full circle. I mean, like, you had to think what was going on in Don Cornelius' mind to finally be like, okay, what did Public Enemy say or do to to the point where he was like, okay, I need to bring them on. It's time. It's time. Or was they, think, or were they saying what he was thinking all along? I, I think mm. Don Cornelius was trying to stay true to the game, so to speak. You know, I think that you know there were a lot of things going on during that time, and I think it was only fair that he used his platform to kind of promote the same message. You mm -hmm. know, you know, because a lot of the things that were going on were like in our neighborhoods. And Soul Train was a staple in our, you know, on our TVs back in the day. And so, like, why not use a group like Public Enemy to spread a message to our people, to say the least? Absolutely. And some people would question why would such a serious message or a serious group have somebody like Flavor Flav in their group? And he was like their comic relief. It's like they had to have him on there. He was, Flavor Flay was actually 
very well versed in what was going on as well. And you'd be surprised at how intelligent he is. And an MC. Yes. You, forget, yeah. you know, he he rapped on a lot of the songs too. So he was yeah, an artist. Was his joke. He, yeah. That was all him. Yeah, he, <laughs> was a, he was an artist. He was just, he was a bit flamboyant with his artistry, with his, with his image, which he wanted people to realize, hey, the time is now. That's why you have the big clock. The right. big clock. Mm-hmm. Time is now. Time is now. Take action. What's next, Kim? Next up, Eric B. and Rakim. I ain't no joke. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder, damn. But think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict, addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm. I hook a beat up, convert it into hip hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild if you wanna be. I treat you like a child and you're gonna be named Another enemy, not even a friend of me Cause you'll get fried in the end when you pretend to be competing Cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when You compare my rhyme with yours I wake you up and as I stare in your face You seem stunned, remember me? The one you got your idea from But soon you start to suffer The tune get rougher When you start to stutter That's when you had enough of Fighting it'll make you choke You can't provoke, you can't cope You should've broke because I ain't no joke Joke Mmm, mmm Absolutely. I ain't no joke. I'm telling you. That was Eric B. and Rakim with I Ain't No Joke from their album Paid in Full. This particular record peaked at number 38 on the hop, R&B, and hip-hop singles and tracks. A music video was made for it featuring dancing from Flavor Flav of the group Public Enemy. The song was selected by Jay-Z for the NBA 2K13 soundtrack. It was also featured in the video game Saints Row. Um, Eric B. and Rakim, especially Rakim, one of the most... Probably underrated lyricist of our time. Rakim just had a way with the mic that couldn't be touched, to say the least. Is his delivery, his flow. Oh, man. You, you just can't say enough about Rakim and how he put his stamp on hip-hop, to say the least. Eric being Rakim. And this is just one of the songs. I love this one. I like Paid in Full. Thank you. Uh, That's mm-hmm. my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paid in that Full. That was the biggest, I think, record paid in full i believe it's their biggest international hit but i definitely love this one what do you guys think now i as far as like billboard and rolling stone yes rakim is definitely underrated but if you're a real hip-hop connoisseur then you know that you can't say the top five in hip-hop and not mention rakim you just can't and if you don't you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but Rakim, Eric B and Rakim, I want to give them both their props, is one of the quintessential rap duos in history. And we definitely can't go through the 50th anniversary of hip hop without giving them their flowers. I agree. I agree. I think Rakim was probably the first battle flow. I call him like a battle flow lyricist. No one else had that type of flow like him. Um, It would be like him and then Nas. You could tell that he probably influenced Nas, even though Nas was coming up around that same time. He was still a little young when Rakim was out there, but he was definitely in training per se. And I'm sure Rakim was probably an influencer outside of Roxanne Shantae. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting how a lot of them were from the exact same project. I know mm-hmm. Nas and Shantae actually knew each other when they were younger, you know, mm-hmm. and and yeah. it's Queensbridge. And mm-hmm. just think about the talent that came out of there. Like I said before, out of the muck and mire came this incredible talent, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's just a testament to hip hop. Man, it's, it's the ability to withstand time, uh, to say the least. Again, you know, there's so much stuff, just so many artists, so many songs to dig through. Man, this is just one of them right here. But what's next, Kim? Next up is the show, the Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh Crew. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a show with fellas on the mic with one minute rhymes that don't come out right? They bite. They never write. That's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight, on this very mic, you're about to hear, we swear, the best star rappers of the year. So, so, cheerio, yell, scream, bravo. Also, if you didn't know, this is called The Show. Everybody do the walk. Everybody do the walk. I know, right? Uh, that was my joy. <laughs> oh, where was I? All right. Ducky Fresh and the Get Fresh crew released their first single of the show in 1985, which quickly became a hit and helped to establish him as one of the most exciting new voices in hip hop. Where I'm from, you had to know the show or its B side, which was what? Lottie Dottie. Better know it. (laughs) You had to know that word from word. Mm -hmm. Now, question. Who is the original human beatbox? Dougie Fresh. Thank you. Even though the human beatbox from Fat Fat Boys, he was good, but Dougie Fresh was the original. And you could see him, a glimpse of him performing his human percussion on Beat Street with the Treacherous Three. Mm-hmm. And although Rick and Doug would separate after the show and Lottie Dottie, each had an incredible solo career and they have reunited on records and live performances several times throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, many may confuse this song thinking that it's Slick Rick's song, but it's Dougie Fresh's song. You know, mm-hmm. Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. This is his introduction. And Slick Rick was a part of was Get Fresh, Get crew. Fresh crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I remember when this song was out, when it was fresh and everyone would hear it, there was like this radio station in Jackson, Georgia at the time that would play all of the raw hip-hop the music. I think on Wednesday night, they would have like a request line and everybody would tune in and listen and you hear all of the dissing going on like people i want to dedicate i ain't no joke to such and such the next day you know <laughs> a fight at, at school the next day over that you know but it, this is like one of those songs people say oh did you tune in last night did you hear that song by dougie fresh or you know that type of thing so a classic hip-hop classic classic got its own little top shelf 
away from all the other top shelf stuff, it has its own little top shelf of some of these gems that we're talking about today. And you pretty much take the words out of my mouth, Byron. I mean, this is kind of like stands alone and with all the hip hop songs that, you know, it kind of like stands alone by itself somewhere. Say the least. This is an absolute gem. This is an absolute treasure in the hip hop genre. I love Secret Flow in this one as, as well. Just so mellow. Something like we never heard before mm-hmm. by, by another artist. Did y'all think the same thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but was, yeah. I think part of that is because he was, wasn't was even from the United States. You can hear right. that 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 UK British accent coming through. His, his but it was smooth. It, it was smooth. <laughs> and what's funny is, if you remember, there was an artist called Dana Dane. Oh yeah, they, you got mixed up. And he used to try, and he w- used to try to sound like Slick Rick, but Slick Rick was from the UK. That was just the way he talked. <laughs> I mean, so that's what was a big difference in that Dana Dane was trying to bite off of Slick Rick's. Was style. he trying to bite? You think he was trying to bite off though? I mean, there was a whole conversation about that, and he was trying to really emulate that style of lyricism hmm. he really they was. were very similar i remember they were they were because sometimes you you mess them up do you all remember showstopper by salt and pepper their very first yes, one yes we do and that yeah. was a comeback mm-hmm. for a diss track an to answer song. to the show yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which yeah. is very funny too An- another another area of hip-hop you know that you know we, we should also at some point you know delve into you know the diss tracks you know, the battles Man, we could be talking all day, all night, all day, all <laughs> night about that. But nevertheless, you know, this this particular song, the show is a staple in hip hop culture. And um, hey, you can't go wrong with Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick, man. You can't have an old school hip hop party without playing this it's record. Not, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, can't happen. Can't happen. What's next, Kim? Next up is Big Daddy Kane. That was Big Daddy Kane with Smooth Operator. <laughs> yes, it's from his 1988 album. It's a Big Daddy thing. Arguably one of the Big Daddy Kane's most popular songs. The song topped the newly formed Billboard hit Hot Rap Singles chart. Hmm. It was a hit on the RB and dance charts, peaking at number 11 and 17 on the charts, respectively. There is a particular up-and-coming comedian that makes an appearance in this video. Do y'all guys want to take a guess who it is? Up-and-coming comedian? Yes, at the time. At the time. Oh, at the time. I was about to say, I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Was it um, Martin? Martin Lawrence? No. Chris Rock. Really? Oh, really? Hmm. In the video? In that video, yes. Hmm. I He's never getting- knew. 
He's getting his haircut in the video, as a matter of fact. Ah. Which is crazy. You know, a lot, a lot, of, our, a lot of our stars seem like they, they get started in the barbershop. Think about Chris Rock, Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm-hmm. Coming to America. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? But nevertheless, we were talking about lyricists and the deliveries and stuff like that. You know, we talked about Rakim, his delivery. Big Daddy Kane was just as smooth as they come and still is to this day. Don't know if Big Daddy Kane gets the props that he deserved for his contributions and stuff like that. But I mean, Big Daddy Kane back in the 80s, man, what about stopping Big Daddy Kane, man? He was no. as hard as they come. Mm-hmm. Just, but at the same time, his deliveries are so smooth. Yeah, and uh, he was sexy with it, too. Yes, he was. Yeah, Big Daddy Kane brought the artistry side of it and had like a charisma that mm-hmm. came along with it. Where Rakim, he had the delivery, but you know, Rakim wasn't really exerting a lot of, he didn't have to, but he, he wasn't exerting a lot into his imagery or anything like that. You know, it was just what you see is what you get. But with Big Daddy Kane, he he brought not only the visual, but you know, he was a dancer too. He would get out there with his B-boys and be doing the same thing, flipping around with them. And in addition to rapping and then bringing, bringing that big box style. Yeah, to, yeah. To the flow. I said Kim... Rolling her eyes. I'm not rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the. Vibe? I, I no. I, I my brain went somewhere else. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, Big Daddy King. He had the. <laughs> he had the swag that maybe that Rakim may not have been trying to exert. Rakim was trying to be more hard where well, big daddy Kane was hard but he still had that smooth operator type of swag with him that made you be like mm, i see you okay <laughs> is there any artist that would come about later in life that kind of had the swag of a big daddy Kane? you guys think of the only other person that was as Sexy or had that kind of swag would be LL Cool J. Want to hear him? Here he goes. All right. There I was, giggling about the games that I had played with many hearts, and I'm not saying no names. Then the thought occurred, teardrops made my eyes blurred, because I said to myself, look what you've done to her. I can feel it inside. I can't explain how it feels. All I know is that I'll never dish another raw deal, playing make-believe, pretending that I'm true, holding in my laugh as I say that I love you, saying I'm more, kissing you on the ear, whispering I love you and I'll always be here, although I often reminisce, I can't believe that I found a desire for true love floating around inside my soul because my soul is cold one half of me deserves to be this way till I'm old but the other half needs affection and joy and the warmth that is created by a girl and a boy I need love I need love yeah yeah Hey guys, that was LL Cool J's I Need Love, the second single from the second album, Bigger and Delfer. The single reached number one on the Hot Black Singles and number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 while becoming one of the first rap songs to enjoy mainstream popularity in the UK, rising to number eight in the UK singles chart. The single won a Soul Train Music Award for Best Rap Single in 1988, Soul Train Music Awards, and the song was listed as number 13 on About.com's top 100 rap songs and so ladies and gentlemen we're gonna do a demonstration real quick let me tell you how popular this song is all right we played a little snippet of it but here we go i'm gonna start off guys sometimes i'm alone in my room sometimes i stare at the wall and in the back of my mind i hear a conscious call 
Hear me. Telling me that I need love from a girl and a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even jumping in that. I know. I'm not even. He gonna, always you know. do that. I nah, mean, you're, like, not gonna, you're not gonna set us up for that. Ahead. No. I had to sit here and think about it for a couple minutes before I had to say no. it. I ain't no rapper. <laughs> 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 On time. <laughs> nah. That proves nothing. But nevertheless, guys, we do agree. We can't agree that this song was really, really hot during this time uh in the eighties. We can't agree on that one. Uh LL pretty much one of the godfathers of hip hop to say the least. Started when he was sixteen years old and still relevant to this day. This now, as one- we were saying before though, do you feel that he had the same swag? Or more swag than Big Daddy King. Uh, I think they were. LL, I mean, they were two different people. So uh, I don't think so. I wouldn't think so. I think LL was 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 more on the harder side, and I think he kind of showed more like his softer side on this one. But as far mm-hmm. like turn, uh, mm, I would have to disagree because I mean, his name is Ladies Ladies Love, love uh, 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 cool, but- Ladies Love Cool <laughs> J. So I think from the standpoint, he came from that trying to be like the the charismatic rapper dapper or whatever you know with its own style but their styles were completely different as far as delivery you know Mm -hmm. ll had that engine behind him def jam i mean he was the force he was definitely a force and this song was the very first rap ballad mind you Uh very first ever rap ballad which put him on the map because it crossed over big time Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And shout out to LL and Rock the Bells. We all listened to it. And on one day, I'm going to the Rock the Bells Festival or the cruise. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, again, we couldn't have a hip-hop episode without LL, who's still doing his thing today. Yes, you know. he is. He does have a new album out. Really? You haven't heard it? No, I haven't. I can't say that I have. The Force? But I will, <laughs> but I will listen to it today. Yeah, I will listen I to it today. Definitely. Check out the forest with LL. It was Absolutely. produced by Q Tip. Okay, okay, definitely got to check it out now. Mm-hmm. What's next, Kim? Next up, one of my favorites, but it was picked before I could pick it, and it's Audio Two Top Villain. MC and my people call me Milk. When I'm busting up a party, I feel no guilt. Gizmo's cutting up for the suckers that's down with me. The one of us, that's how I feel. Hey, I'm just I'm just tripping on the fact that you know somebody you said somebody picked it before you got a chance to, right? <laughs> we know what your list looked like before we put it out. Well, come on, oh, now. shut <laughs> up. Let's, let's Again, it was some last minute. Okay, here, here, here. Yeah, I bet it was. It was a last minute change, but I came back, didn't I? I came Woo! back. <laughs> yes. But, but nevertheless, that was top billing by RDO2, a single from the What More Can I Say album. 
which was released before First Priority Music Inc., a distribution deal with Atlantic Records. The song was voted number eight in About.com's Top 100 Rap Songs. It was also included in both lists of the musical reference book, 1001 Songs You Must Hear Before You Die. Now, do you guys agree with that? This is one of the songs that you got to hear before you die? Before you die? No. No, it's a part of the song, though. But it is a part of my history, part of my growing up. I remember this being in high school, and this came out, and yet another one of them songs you had to know from beginning to end, and I loved it. I used to call him Milk. I did not know for a long time that it was, everybody it was called it was Audio too. Yeah, everybody called him Milk. Yeah, milk. this it was a simplistic track, simplistic song, but you know it was a party starter. Like I said, it's a party starter. You were always in your groove when this came on. Singing along, you knew the words. Yes, you knew the words. <laughs> knew this song was also sampled by a lot of artists, including Fifty Cent's mm-hmm. uh, "I Get Money." Which has some great success as well. Mary J. Blige, Real Love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So again, this this song, also a huge, huge, huge staple in the hip-hop culture, to say the least. I wonder what they're doing now. That's a good question. You know, Byron, do you have any idea? <laughs> For those who chose the song would have done that research, but let me look at them. Let me read <laughs> Oh boy! Put oh, me on a spot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that a lot lately, haven't I? Oh Lord! <laughs> hmm. But nevertheless, what's the next skill? Wait, wait! No, 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 no! Oh, you you gonna- ask a question. <laughs> we gonna, gonna, we gonna find out. Gonna answer that question. All right. So, in 2007, Milk D recorded a verse for a remix of "I Get Money" by 50 Cent, thinking all the music artists that sample top billing, which earned him royalties. And in recent years. Audio 2 member Gizmo became a recording engineer under the name You Can Ask Jizz. His audio work has appeared on albums by Donnell Jones, Calvin Richardson, Jaheem, and Tyrese, among the others. Among right. others. Good, Byron. Thank you, Byron. But thank you so much, Byron. You're very welcome. All right. What's next, Kim? Next up is one of my favorites, You Gots to Chill by EPMD. I'm the P-E-E-M-D-E-E. And one thing I hate is a biting MC. When I enter the party, suckers always form a line. Then they ease their way up and try to bite my lines. I did thousands of shows, this many faces. And deal with New Jack on a one-to-one basis. But every now and then a sucker MC gets courageous. And like an epidemic, it becomes contagious. But never the least, they all R.I.P. All is underwear, it means rest in peace, cause MD stands for microphone doctor in the capital P, capital M, capital D, E, D's, no doubt the chief rocker. Don't like to get ill, but if I have to, I kill. So believe me, boy, you got the shit. Yeah. Yes, y'all remember that part in Barbershop when this song came on and everybody was like bopping their head so hard that they broke their neck. Anyway, <laughs> hip hop duo EPMD was from Brentwood, New York, released this as their single from their 1988 debut album, Strictly Business. It reached number 22 on the US RB chart. The duo's name is a combination of the members' names, which is E and PMD, or an acronym for Eric and Parrish Making Dollars. Referring to its members, MC's Eric Sermon, E, 
aka E Double, and Parish Smith, PMD, aka Parish Mike Doc. You got to chill, use 1980s funk band Zaps More Bounce to the Ounce, mm-hmm. which has become one of the most enduring sample sources for hip hop. Yes, I agree. I agree with all of that. That's great information, Kimmy. Because this was <laughs> <laughs> great research there. Hold, hold, hold up, Byron. Is that a little, little, little shade a little bit? What, what, what do you call that right there? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what would you call that right there? I'm giving props, proper research, detail research. Okay, okay. <laughs> On point, yes, Kimmy, yes. It's <laughs> killing me. But honestly, I even have more. <laughs> Go right ahead. Let us know. Originally, EPMD, Eric was actually supposed to be EE. PMD Easy Eric, but it kind of sounds like Easy E. And once NWA came out, he dropped the other E. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, thank you for the tidbit. Yeah, EPMD, they were consistent throughout their journey as a as a duo. I can't think of any song that was not a banger, mm-hmm. especially for the parties. And that was a time when we went to parties or house parties mm-hmm. we were in high school junior high or whatever so that was our scene and they represented that whatever happened to house parties man well people shooting too much they don't know how to act I, these days yeah they don't know how to act they mimic what we did but not necessarily understanding the concept of what we did you know they just use guns I mean, <sighs> yeah well, things started really falling apart in the 90s i'll just say this this is going off on a serious tip but since we went there, we're going to go there because that is part of hip hop. But yeah, I would say between 90, what, 93, 94 time frame is when it really, really started popping off. Mm. We're like heavily when we started, like especially out on the <coughs> West Coast. And you started hearing more and more about these drive-bys and mainly for people just mimicking what they heard in the music, you know? And some of the music. And some of the music. Some of the music that seemed to so many words you could say celebrated a certain lifestyle that some thought was glamorous. Right. So you could argue though, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Was mm. the music mimicking real life or was real life mimicking the music? I think I think the music, this is what I think the real life was already happening. I think when real life realized that they were being spotlighted in the music, it probably heightened the activity. I guess that would be fair to say, you know, because the music reflected what was happening in the community. But when people saw certain artists with the same imagery as they had, it made them feel like they were automatic celebrities, street celebrities in a sense. Or they felt like they had an image to maintain that was aligned to what they were seeing that was flashing across the screens every day on the music videos or whatever. Unfortunately, some people aspire to that rather than looking at what was behind the artistry a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And looking at other artists that weren't talking about that. They were great artists that weren't talking about game banging. Right. But for some reason, they stopped putting them out there as much. Notice that? Yeah. There was a switch. Mm-hmm. There was a switch because they started pushing that stuff to the forefront. You know, we kind of had an example of that with Jason Aldean talking about Pride in the Small Town. Mm. And and I guess the video imagery or whatever the case might be to people into a, like, a little franty or whatever you want to call it. But however, 
my thing was, okay, some hip not all hip hop artists, but some hip hop songs glorify violence and disrespect women and stuff like that. So but at the same time it's it's pushed. So I just didn't get what the difference was as far as like him just talking about what they would do if some of those things that the rap song was talking about in a small town. It, it goes into a whole different another topic of discussion. But for me, well, mm-hmm. well, especially when people who live in a small town, especially in our communities in a small town, were already dealing with stuff that may be, quote unquote, away from their small town community. They were probably not aware and in touch with. That's always been a part of our community. Right. So, true. so you know, now in every community, it's sad to say in every community, small or, or, or large, the same things are happening everywhere. Yeah. You know? Everywhere, you know, no one is exempt now. Even we talk about Blake Jordan being the roots for our family and stuff like that. Got shootings all the time now in that little bitty Blakely. All kind of stuff going on where people getting robbed, stuff like that. And so it goes to say, you can make the argument, hey, the music is may be the influence, but however, if you become if your environment become a product of your environment, you know what else do you have to look forward to? You know, so I don't know. And it all reflects desperation. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, so that's when you really got to start digging deeper and looking at why do people feel like they have to behave this way in order to get by or whatever. What's lacking in the community? It's right. a spotlight. It's a dissectable specimen to look at and to dive deeper to uncover some answers to these questions and hopefully establish solutions. If we are to evolve, we have to come to a, a solution. Absolutely. Right. What's next, Jim? Next light. MC Light Paper Thin. Mm. Yeah. I'm not the kind of girl to try to play a man out. I take the money in again, then break the hell out. No, that's not my strategy, not the game I play. I admit I play a game, but it's not done that way. Truly, when I get involved, I give it my heart. I mean, my mama sold my body, I mean, every part. But if it doesn't work out, yo, it just doesn't. It wasn't meant to be, you know, it just wasn't. So I treat all of you like I treat all of them. And what you say to me is still paper thin. In one ear and right out the other. Hurdles mumble jumble. Lover. I don't pay attention, I don't concentrate You ain't got the bait that it takes to hook this Sucker you missed, I put feelings aside I know who I am, my name is Light Is your name Sam? Cause if it is Step off, grab your coat and get lost Wrap your scarf around your throat and go back and catch the boat And hit the road Sam Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more Hit the road Sam Don't you come back no more Yes yes. yes ah, that'd yes. be some light yeah, this song, Paper Thin, to me, by MC Light, was one of those battle rap type songs. She's just speaking, flowing off the dome, and letting whoever the recipient have it. Yeah. So Paper Thin is the third single from MC Light's debut album, Light as a Rock. It was produced by King of Chill, who, along with MC Light, has many songwriting credits. The song, which is about Light confronting her boyfriend over infidelity, became an underground hit, selling 125,000 copies in the first six months with virtually no radio play. Mm. In 2003, The Source placed Paper Thin as number 24 in their list of top 151 rap songs of all time. And the song was also included in Complex's 50 Best Rap Songs by Women's list in 2013. Paper Thin was ranked number 23 on the About.com's 100 Best Rap Songs of All Times list. And the song has been covered, reinterpreted by other rappers like Bahamadia, Puff Daddy, and Missy Elliott. But interesting enough, the song contains samples of Prince's 17 Days, the guitar riff, Al Green's 
I'm glad you're mine. That's the drum and Earth, Wind and Fire's Shining Star, which is the hook. The song also has a chorus interpolation from Ray Charles's Hit the Road Jack, as you all know, you heard in that mm-hmm. sample, which contains slight changing Jack to Sam. Very mm-hmm. good. Didn't know that. Very good, Barry. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> You're very welcome, Marcus. <laughs> 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 now did you guys see the ladies first documentary on netflix not yet not yet you must watch it our girl mc light was on there and she was talking about getting started at such a young age i believe she was 16 herself when she started and you'll see our girl queen latifah and all of the greats on this documentary and what can you say about mc light number one she still looks exactly the same if not younger (laughs) yeah and she is one of the best lyricists out there i have to say love her you had the biggest crush i did i had the biggest crush right that it was something about that mushroom hairdo (laughs) asymmetrical (laughs) shroom yeah and then Earring in the nose, and you know, it was just something about it that just was just appealing to me. But however, as times progress, you know, I listen to Light, and I listen to Roxanne Shantae, mm-hmm. and you know, their, their sounds are very similar. So it kind of makes you question, like, okay, I think Kim made a reference to one of the, one of those uh, questions. You know, who came first, the chicken or the egg? Was Roxanne Shantae's style bitten by? No, you don't oh, think no, so? no, 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 no. I think she probably influence mc light in some kind of way but they came up around the same time shantae just happened to be the first one out there uh, exactly start getting that shine but no no because mc light style was a little bit harder yes and she she brought it like a guy honestly exactly um there's a difference between being influenced and biting Mm-hmm. So this is more like she, of course, she's influenced by Shantae because Shantae was one of the first to do it. And she used that and made it her own. It's a difference than she just, just going out there sounding exactly like Shantae, which she was not doing. And when you hear MC Light, you know it's MC Light. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is Shake Your Thing, Salt and Pepper. We was on a dance floor, shaking our thing to a funky beat with a go-go swing. Everyone was watching, they did it shock. Amazing how salt and pepper was rock. In the place with a smile on our face. Some got upset and then tried to bait. They called us nasty, said we did dirty. Proved we were freaks, cheap, even flirty. Pepper got picked and pulled out a pump. I was all set not to jip but to jump. Spin broke it up and asked not to break. Said they don't understand the way you don't find out. Yes. Now, I chose this record by Salt and Pepper because it influenced a, a movement, so to speak, at that particular time with Go Go. Uh-huh. So with the go-go music. So Shake Your Thing is a 1988 single released by American R&B and hip-hop group Salt and Pepper, as we know. It was released as a first single taken from their second album, which is called Assault with a Deadly Pepper. And it features the Washington, D.C.-based go-go musical band EU. And the song samples It's Your Thing by Isley Brothers and Funky President by James Brown. 
This song performed fairly well like on the charts. It reached number eight on the U.S. Dance Club charts, Billboard. Number 14 on the R&B Hip Hop Songs chart, as well as number 29 in West Germany, 22 in UK singles, number eight in the Netherlands on their Dutch Top 40, as well as number nine on their single Top 100. It also charted number 29 in Ireland, number nine in Belgium, and 47 in Australia. So this was an international smash for Salt and Pepper, and it did usher in that, like I said before, at the top of my delivery, the go-go movement, which was prevalent for a good couple of years it had a good run to the forefront what do you all have to say about this one you like push it (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking the same thing yeah i love love salt and pepper i love push it i love salt and pepper would this be my selection no really okay push it maybe or possibly the the comeback to the show just to oh the showstopper track yeah showstopper Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know, Salt and Pepper, talking about hip-hop duos, they were one of the originators, and they were very successful, to say the least, especially with Push It. You know, they really, really had a lot of success. This was actually a, a great song, to say the least. I like this one. Shoot was another one. Mm-hmm. Shoot uh, was a good one. What yeah, a Man. Was, what, what a Man, man was a great yeah. one. Yeah. And so there's no denying Salt and Pepper and what they mean to wow. hip-hop. Yeah, I mean, Trump, Trump. Yeah, that uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is a great selection, and I see what you're doing. All right. <laughs> What's next, Kim? Next up, we can't have 50 years of hip hop without the clan. Wu Tay clan, that the is. With cream. Smoking rules at 16. Mm-hmm. And running up in gates and doing it by high stakes. Making my way on fire skates. No question, I was speed for cracks and weed. The combination made my eyes bleed. No question, I would flow off and try to get the go off. Shaking up white boys on board boards. My life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick ass click and went all out. One or two long, hard years and still struggling. Mm. Real, I love Inspector Dex Park on this on this song on the there. Yes, yes, indeed. So, Cash Rules Everything Around Me is by our boys Wu Tang Clan and was released on January 31st, 1994, by Loud Records as the second single from their debut studio album, Enter the Wu Tang 36 Chambers. The song was produced by the group's leader, the RZA, and contains a sample of. Charmel's 1967 song, As Long As I've Got You, and it features two verses from members Raekwon, Inspector Deck, and Method Man, who is singing the hook through the whole thing. Its music video features all Wu-Tang Clan members in New York City and was released in 1994. Mm-hmm. This is a classic jam. Um, the yes. Wu- 
the Wu-Tang Clan are was just a special, special group. I mean, it was just so amazing how they had so many personalities in that group, but they made it work. They made it work. They made it work. And so this one, this particular jam, like I said, and I said I like I love Inspector Gates part, but what we played was Raekwon's verse in the snippet, but which I love his as well. But it's just Oh man, I'm just glad you picked this one, Cam, to say the least. To pick Wu Tang. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he liked it. He really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, this time I think this song was featured in one of our other episodes, the Goodie Bag. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. featured it before. Yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. but I will feature it 50 times because it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You could not celebrate hip hop without this one. You can't. You can't. You yeah. can't. And and this is one of my favorites from Wu-Tang. And just the, like we were talking about the message, there was a clear message in here talking about um life in that era, you know? And it wasn't so much talking about killing anybody it was just talking about what it was like to live that way and survival mm-hmm. you know it was talking about survival you know uh, you know Cash rules it. everything around us okay go ahead <laughs> yeah i was gonna say what my experience with this record i was a uh i was writing for the southern digest at southern university and received a an advanced copy of the album that was oh my gosh i miss those days of getting stuff from record labels mm, goodness getting but, it first um, yeah but i i remember just digging in a bin that we had and i was like wu-tang clan who is this and grabbing and holding on to it <laughs> keeping it for myself and i think i did a, a review for it but yeah immediately i knew this was something special when they came out this was it was completely different the whole artistry around it the whole theming around it the whole ninja theming style mm-hmm. you know it was it was just unique at the time and that was when the west coast stuff was like really being pushed you know into the forefront and here's wu-tang clan clan from new york comes out mm-hmm. with their own little flavor and that it's was completely its different it yeah completely holding its own you know different yeah yeah you know i i say this loosely but I think I'm responsible for uh, introducing Early County High School to the Wu-Tang Clan. You probably are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, <laughs> because I think one of my classmates told me, he's like, yeah, I man, you put me on this several back in, back in the day. It was just something about, I remember the first single that I heard was Method Man. I think this was from their album, too, 36 Chambers as well. I remember hearing that on the radio, and it was just something different about it. And then it said the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, I was interested in karate movies back, kung fu movies back then, too. And so I had to get the album when I put it in press play. It was it was a gem. It was a masterpiece. And so this is one of my favorite songs from the album. Wu-Tang, man, like I said, we could talk about them all day. Those guys all day. Definitely heavy hitters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 1993 changed the world. When yes, it thing- did. Yes, it did. Who else changed the world, Kim? You know who else changed the world? My people from my hometown, the Fugees, <laughs> with Ready or Not. Now that I escape, sleep, walk away. Yeah. Those who correlate know the world they kick. Jail bars ain't golden gates. Those who fake, they break. When they meet their 400 pound mate, if I could fool the world, everyone would have a gun in the ghetto, of course, when you D up and on their horse. 
kick around, drink and moonshine. I pour a sip on the concrete for the deceased, but no, don't weep. Why Clef's in a state of sleep, thinking about the robbery that I did last week. Money in the bag, banker look like a drag. I wanna play with Pelicans from here to Baghdad. Gun blast, think fast, I think I'm hit. My girl pinched my hips to see if I still exist. I think not. I'll send a letter to my friends. A born again hooligan, no need to be king again. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and Man, Ready or Not was from our people, the Fugees, from their second studio album, The Score. A lot of people thought that it was their first album, but they actually had a first album that also had some good stuff on it. It was dope. The song contains a sample of Bodicea by Irish singer Anya, and its chorus is based on Ready or Not, Here I Come, Can't Hide from Love by the Delphonics. The song was not released as a commercial single in the United States, making it ineligible to appear on the Billboard Hot 100. Why? I don't know. However, Ready or Not reached the top 10 in 15 countries, including the United Kingdom, where it became the group's second chart-topping song in the UK singles chart, following Killing Me Softly. Additionally, it was one of the best-selling songs of 1996 in the United Kingdom and is among the top-selling hip-hop songs of all time in the region. Then finally, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame included Ready or Not on their list of songs that shaped rock in 2023 and Rolling Stone ranked it as one of the 100 best East Coast hip-hop songs of all time. That's kind of interesting that they claim or establish it as not being a single when it got heavy push with a music video treatment for promotion as well. It was on rotation on the radio. So I don't understand when they say it was not a single when it really was a single. It was promoted and everything. They had promotion behind it. So how could it not be a single? And they made a big deal out of Enya being uh, sampled. Mm. You know, it was like a big thing and brought up more attention to her. So I remember seeing that feature on MTV. So uh, when they report that it was not a single, I'm like, I have to call. uh, Yeah, on that, on that, (laughs) on that. But that being said, I was a fan of the Fuji's since Blended on Reality. I think that was the Mm -hmm. first album. Mm-hmm. Nappy heads, that track. Nappy heads, that was that was a fun, all. yeah, that was a fun little track, you know, and that opened my eyes. And then I think Lauren in between popped up on Sister Act too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a girl from the Fugees. And sure enough, you know, I was like, okay. Then here they go with the score, which is got that to whole be the, album. The whole th- that's got album. to be the best selling group rap album, I would think. I don't know. Score, the score is one of the top 10 albums of all time. I mean, hands down. Hands yeah. down. Hip hop uh, rap group, it might be the yeah. top one, but we, yeah, we I, I, have to I, see. I, I'm trying to be modest about it because yeah, I'm trying to take into consideration all the groups that came forward, but I would be, it would be easy for me to say that, the, you know, the food is in the score, man, it's top 10 easily. Yeah, I'll have to research and see if, if they inch out Run DMC. Yeah. Well, this particular album, we're talking about per album as far as. Yeah popularity and sales and stuff i'm curious to find out we will have to we'll have to see yeah but what disappointed me was that they weren't able to follow up behind it you know they i wanted, know they I wanted know. to capitalize off the, the success that they had with that album and it just i just didn't get it, it saved my life 
but I'm gonna... that that's interesting because the same thing happened once Lauren went on her own and put out her album. Her album blew up, but wasn't able to bring follow back, it up. Follow it up. So what what's going on? Controversies and on? egos, but I, I would just say mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. definitely controversial okay. goes, but I think after this album, they all took a hiatus to focus on their individual stuff because Wyclef had his thing mm-hmm. as well. And I think Proz eventually came out with his own stuff, but I think by that time, that engine had grown too large and people's egos had gotten gassed up a little bit and they just felt they didn't need to go back to the group situation if they were able to carry themselves. So I think it's a combination, then fallouts whatever the reason romantic i mean it was a lot of personal a lot of entanglements that if you're in a group like that and and you're successful you need to just sit back and be like okay i want this to keep going but what's more important keep the business separate from everything exactly and agree at the top of that that the business in the beginning this is business i'm not going to okay cross that line Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, I'm confused. Who was, in the words of Aretha Franklin, who was Zooming who? You didn't know? No, I didn't. Oh, wow. Lauryn Hill's first album, what was the song? X Factor? Yeah. That was about, what you call it? Wyclef. That was about Wyclef. Really? Yeah. And he was married at the time. Wow. Wow. Allegedly. Wow. Right. Allegedly. Wow. That's what I heard. Don't and tell no nobody. Hurt, hey, and no one hurts you more than hurt me more than you, and no one ooh, ever would. Ooh, oh. ooh, wow. don't get me started. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What's next, Kim? <laughs> <laughs> on that note, on that note, yes, on that note. Ooh, next up, De La Soul, potholes in my lawn. Hmm. Now you got the message. What to do when you dive the death that I predict and plus tuning? It's a shame when you deny to claim that you stole my words of fame that I wrote in my rhyme sheet, which I concentrated so hard on. See, I don't act for a barbed wire fence beat. My dwelling is swelling. It lit my butt when I happened to fall into a spot where no ink or an ink blot was on the scroll. I just wrote me a new mold, but now it's gone. Cause those suckers knew that I hate to recognize that every time I'm writing, it's gone. Potholes in my lawn. No hip hop lessons complete without day la soul. Change the game. Change the game. Brought our focus back down to earth and to like what we really were in a sense that mm-hmm. we can relate to. Yes, I have to agree with you, Kimmy. Potholes in My Lawn is a second single by hip hop group De La Soul, released in 1988 from their album Three Feet High and Rising. That banger classic brought so many gems. The song was mastered by record mixer and engineer Herb Powers. The song samples Magic Mountain by Eric Burden and War, as well as the signature Yodeling and Jar Harp on Parliament's Little Old Country Boy off of 1970's Osmium album. The song was released in some territories as a double A-side with Jennifer Taught Me. You all remember that? Derwin's Revenge, Jennifer Taught Me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The song is notable for being the first hip-hop song to be played on Mars. 
by NASA's Opportunity rover in 2004. The wow. Song, yeah, the song reached 22 on the U.S. Billboard's Hot Rap Singles chart. What do you all have to say about this ditty of a gem? See, you this is what it. we would talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Kim. So this is what we were talking about when people talk about how they don't like hip hop and it's too raw and it's too too ghetto and and it's talking about violence. The artists that we're about to go over, including De La Soul, they weren't about that. And it was kind of like that black nerd blurred hip hop. And I loved it. It was just totally me. I was totally a, a daisy. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, did you say they played this on Mars? Yeah. 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 I guess they were referencing the craters and stuff. That's the only thing I could think of. But that's that's huge. They That's cool. Yeah. 2004. They, they play your music on a whole nother planet. Literally. NASA. Yeah. The fact that NASA... Um, Played it on a whole other planet, but Thought anyway, to play your new, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. that's the reach because you know NASA is a bunch of scientists and exactly, you know, and what would yeah. they know about? I so exactly, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, I remember seeing this. Do y'all remember those? I don't remember what it, what it was called, but where you can like you could dial, you could call this number and order like videos mm-hmm. that you can play, video jukebox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But every now and again, they would play, they would throw a free a couple of freebies out there for you. And this is one of the freebies that I remember listening to. And it was just something about that beat in the background that I really, really enjoyed. And it was just uh, different. It was just different, man. Just their whole vibe, their whole setup. It was just, I don't know. It's just, it made you feel, I don't know. I mean, the, I really feel like if hip hop had been born in the late 60s, these, totally. this group would have been like the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like think about Woodstock and all those those different concepts and stuff. It had hip hop been born back then. This group would have really fit in with that time period. They really would have to me. But um, they really fit into their time t- period because in the '90s there was like this kind of '70s vibe that was going on in the '90s. So right. De La Soul yeah. kind yeah. of headed that. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. it did morph into that like '70s, late '60s hype that. In the fashionable influence that they had in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget, make, make sure we say rest in peace to True Boy, who yeah. we lost. Was this year, last year? It was year? this year. Yeah. <laughs> again, but they're still doing their thing. Mm-hmm. One night. So, again, big shout out to De La Soul, man. Couldn't have this episode without them somewhere in the mix. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's next, Kim? Next up is Common. I used to love her. Oh, I used to love this song too. Periodically, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would see old girl at the club, sit at the house party. She didn't have a body, but she started getting thick quick. Did a couple of videos and became Afrocentric. Out goes the weave, in goes the braised bees medallion. She was all that tip about stopping the violence about my people. She was teaching me by not preaching to me, but speaking to me in a method that was leisurely. So easily I approach. 
She dug my rap, that's how we got close But then she broke to the west coast And I was cool, cause around the same time I went away to school and I'm a man dub expanded So why should I stand in her way? She probably get her money in LA And she did stud, she got big pub But what was foul? She said that the pro black was going out of style She said Afrocentricity was of the past So she got in the R&B, hip house, bass and jazz Now black music is black music and it's all good I wasn't salty, she was with the boys in the hood Cause I was new for her, she was becoming well rounded I thought it was dope how she was on that freestyle This is just having fun Not worried about anyone and you can tell By how her titties hung Yes, yes, yo yeah yeah he just broke down exactly what we were talking about yep he was part of that usher movement i used to love her as h-e-r is a hip-hop song by chicago-born rapper common sense also known as common and it was released in 1994 from its album resurrection and it became one of his best known songs commercially and it was produced by no id it's jazzy beat samples the Changing World by George Benson. And of course, there was a video treatment for it. But the song uses an extended metaphor using a woman to represent hip hop music, which was so creative. And the acronym mm-hmm. H-E-R means hip hop in its essence is real. Love it. So the song peaked at number 31 on a U.S. Billboard Hot Rap Singles. And number 91 on the Billboard Hot R&B Hip Hop Singles Tracks list from Billboard. What do you all have to say about this one? Now, you heard what he said about how we were all about to stop the violence for a while there and went to the Daisy Age. But the record companies, for some reason, went into this get money stage. Mm -hmm. So those that were still about to stop the violence in the Daisy Age had a hard time getting a record deal. Yeah. They weren't cool anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Common was, though. I just think he, I don't know, they didn't push him as, as much as other artists, but I think Common, I think we're talking about Big Daddy Kane and Swag and, mm-hmm. you know, hard at the same time. I think yeah. his flow was kind of like similar to, to what Big Daddy Kane's and maybe that type of flow was, was kind of slowly being ushered out, to say the least. You think so, Byron? Yeah, I think so. It's funny when you were saying that I was thinking about when things began to, to get so flashy and you mm-hmm. can think bad boy movement for that, for making mm-hmm. things just extra flashy, which influenced the overall attitude and climate of hip hop. I think people started looking at it as a cash cow for them. And so then the soul started to leave, you know, mm-hmm. we, we need artists like a common tribe called quest, you know, the native tongues people, you know, all of them to keep us grounded because even then, even though this was before all of that, but as that whole bad boy movement took place, we started reaching back into that even more so because we needed to get fed and nourished by what they had established for us. And I would never actually put common and big daddy came together, but I Mm -hmm. understand what you're, you're saying there lyricism was somewhat similar i could say that yeah and i'm sorry marcus i I did go off on a tangent there just to go back to what you were saying like for kim their delivery was kind of same but i I wouldn't put him i wouldn't even compare him to big big daddy kane if anything rakim because of the flow uh, because big daddy kane was a different type of artist he was like a showman type of artist he was kind of full gamut entertainer type not as big flashy like mc hammer but he was charismatic 
and maintain that level of performance or entertainment, if that makes sense. I see what you're saying. I see what yeah. you're saying. But nevertheless, Kamen would go on to have much success in mm-hmm. television and movies, to say the least. He really made his mark in that. But however, this particular song was kind of a coming out party for him, to say the least. And definitely a staple in hip-hop culture. Most deaf. What, what's next, Kim? Well, Byron had just mentioned them, and we can't go through a kind of native tongue era without Tribe Called Quest. Mm. And I kick it. Can I kick it? Can I kick it? Can I kick it? Well, I'm gone. Can I kick it? To all the people who can quest like a tribe does Before this, did you really know what live was? Comprehend to the track force, why? Cause getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug If you feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug Afrocentric living is a big shrug A life filled with that's what I love A lower plateau is what we're above If you diss us, we won't even think of We'll nip of the dog and give a big shove This rhythm really fits like a snug glove Like a box of positives, it's a plus love As the trial flies high like a dove mm, 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 mm. Goodness, goodness, goodness You have to sit and let that simmer a little bit Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Can I Kick It is a song by American hip hop group, A Tribe Called Quest, released in October 1990 as a third single from their debut album, People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, released in 1990, of course. The song, which has a call and response chorus, was recorded in 1989 when the band members were aged 18 to 19. The song contains samples of Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed, What a Waste by Ian Dury and the Blockheads. Spinning Wheel by Dr. Lonnie Smith, Dance of the Nights by Sergei Pakafiv, and Sunshower by Dr. Buzzard's original Savannah band. Interesting enough, Fife Dog is noted of saying because of the use of the Walk on a Wild Side sample, the group did not receive any money from the single, with Lou Reed instead claiming the profits. Wow. Isn't that amazing? This is I never classic. knew that. Yeah. Holy cow. And this song went on to hit number eight on the Hot Rap Songs Billboard chart, number one in the UK dance charts, number 15 in the UK singles. It also charted in the Netherlands on both of their charts at number 13. But the thing is, even if they left it out, it wouldn't be the song that we know, you know? Yeah, that's the main baseline for the song. Exactly. But what's so funny, number one, shout out and rest in peace, Five Dog. That's another group that 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 just hurt my feelings when that happened. But it was so funny. I was listening to shout out to Rock the Bells again. And on Salute the Sample, they were talking about how famous this song is about you go everywhere and they love this song, but some places they may not have heard it. And they were talking about how this DJ went in there and he got on the mic, was talking about, can I kick it? And they're like, yeah. And we're like, huh? No. <laughs> Go right ahead. That's not what you say. No. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. This has got yeah. to be the most recognizable call and response. And when you hear it, you know, you got to say what? Yes, yes you can. can. <laughs> yes you can yes 
I love this song. I love this song by Tribe Called Quest. Dr. Buzzard, I think you mentioned Dr. Buzzard and what, what was the other? Oh, Dr. Buzzard's original Savannah band. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Seemed, yeah. like, seemed like we had another song. Yes, on one of we our... did. Cherche Lagos. Cherche Lagos. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That was okay, it. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, this is a great, great, great track by Tribe Called Quest. One of many, to say the least. They just they just kind of changed the game. They, it's almost like they were time travelers. They went back and got some of the music that back from the 30s and 40s and 50s and kind of like spun it, shrunk it, wrapped it up, flipped it, rub it down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and they did their own, to say the least. And and so, you know, with, with De La Soul, I mean, you can't, I'm not excuse me, Tribe Called Quest, you can't go wrong with those guys, man. I, I love this track. I love Scenario. I love the Scenario Remix. I love, I left my wallet in Elsa. I love- I left every- my wallet in Elsa Gundo, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love everything. Bonita Bonita Applebaum. Applebaum. Okay, Bonita Applebaum. You gotta say Bonita. Bonita. Yeah. Bonita. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Tribe Quest is one of the greatest, one of the greatest hip hop groups ever, and I, I'm glad that we had them on this this episode. I and really another thing that I learned that back then, pretty much Q Tip was their producer. Yeah. All this yeah, he was did, like he, created by him. Yeah, he did a lot of it, and. And Marcus, you struck a chord with me just a minute ago when you talked about going back into the 50s. Now, you remember hip hop earlier on, who the main sample was used was James Brown, right? Mm-hmm. So right, everybody right. was using James Brown. So the, the whole Native Tongue movement ushered in a new era of production when people just started tapping into other music because James Brown had been overly used. Overused. By that, by, yeah. by that you know point. it as soon as you hear it. But they yeah. would go into jazz songs and yep. just take like little minute little parts of the jazz song and loop it and it would make create a completely new genre of music. I just love it. Yeah, jazz, yeah. rock, all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Can't go wrong with the tribe. Can't go wrong. Never. Never What's ever. next time? This is our last song. What? We is finished. We did, no, <laughs> we got Nas, remember? Yeah, that's what I mean. This is our last song. We are about to play Nas, The World Is Yours. Wow. To my man ill will, God bless your life. To my people's the wild queens, God bless your life. I trick we box of crazy if naming guns and all my baby pictures. Beef with housing police, release scriptures, that's maybe Hitler's. Yet I'm the mouth money getting stabbed, rolling foul. The versatile honey sticking wild, golden child dwelling in the rotten apple. You get tackled, a court by the devil's lasso. This shit is a hassle. There's no days for both days. We sell and smoke pays while all the old folks pray to Jesus soaking their sins and trays. A whole Water odds against nods and slaughter. Think of the word best describing my life to name my daughter my strength. My son the star will be my resurrection. Born in correction, all of all this I did. He'll lead in right direction. How you live in larger broker, charge cards are mediocre. You flip it, coca, playing spit spades and strip poker. The world is yours. The world is yours. Yeah. 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 That was Nas with The World Is Yours from the 1994 Illmatic album. It features a sample from Ahmad Jamal's song, I Love Music, which was just something we were just talking about as far as like going back into the 50s and bringing like subtle, those little subtle, little minute snippets <laughs> from the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say the least. Uh, this one, Illmatic is one of the top five hip hop albums of all time. I said what I said, and I'm standing by. Oh, you're, we stand with you. 
Yeah. 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 We, we stand uh-huh. with you. Nas really, really, really killed the game when he, with that album, to say the least. And this is just one of the tracks that I love. The world is yours. Yeah, I remember when this album was out, and it was always at the top, like on the what was that rap? The magazine the source. source or the vibe. Yeah, well, source and vibe, but it was always listed at the top. Like whenever you saw any chart, this dominated heavily a great deal of time that year. Absolutely. Whose world is this? This is hip hop's world. Uh, yes, it <laughs> we is. We just took over the world. We have, and Nas, like you said earlier not only did tribe called quests go back in time nas went back in time came back and just took over the world and he's still out there doing it to this mm-hmm. day yes nas is the, i would love to see, they haven't had nas jay-z battle have they i don't think they're gonna do it i think As they were talking fact, about it was, was they it haven't between... done one in like a long time it, it kind of fell yeah. off a little bit yeah after that yeah. whole the, well we won't even go there but no let's say it <laughs> Go ahead and say it. I know. I know. <laughs> say it. Say it. The whole Mario and oh, that was crap. <laughs> <laughs> I think that well, not not because of Mario, but Omarion. No. But um, I think after that, people and were like, nah, I think just just run its course because I don't think I can't think of anything that followed them. People just stopped really paying attention to it because it was becoming a joke. Yeah. Because they didn't come prepared and ready to sign. <laughs> you know, you talked about we talked about Queensbridge and some of the art, some of the artists that it's produced, uh, including Roxanne Shantae. What was it to, to you guys? What was it about Nas that kind of set him apart from some of the other artists? His intelligence. Okay, he would I'll talk say, I- about stuff that mm-hmm. a lot of these other artists weren't talking about, and he showed and proved because he would put his daughter's name as a producer of some of the songs to make sure that she was covered for life. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that either. Yes. Yes. That's what's up. I would say because at the time he was considered one of the younger rappers, even though he came up through the ranks, he cut his chops under the, under the guidance, I should say, of Roxanne Shante, you know, over the years and probably Rakim and other rappers. Yeah. He pushed us to the forefront. You know, he's well, Kimmy and I, um, <laughs> our, our age group. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, I'm a yeah. true hip hop baby. I just realized yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a true yeah, hip hop baby. Yep, you were. Yep, yeah, yeah. I think I and, think and I represented us to the to the day I die. I'll be 80 years old talking about whose world is this, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be still playing it. Mm-hmm. That song will be still playing 30 years from now. Just like a lot of these songs that we featured on on the show today. And, you know, not to go there, but I will. A lot of music produced today, you want to sit back and just think to yourself, will we be playing it 20 years from now? Mm. Uh, I mean... What reference I mean, it? we won't, but there are some who probably will because it is a part of their culture. I think we are getting to the point where we're sounding like our parents back in the day. Like, what is that you listening to? That's that's crap. That ain't going to never go nowhere. But I will say that hip hop has changed. And even though there are a few artists that are still sticking to the blueprint and putting out really good music. Shout out J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. Anybody else? I can't think. Mm-hmm. Great. 
Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> That's what you said, Drake. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, but the the genre has changed a bit, and just like we were talking about how it went from stopping the violence in the Daisy Age and going to get money, we've been in this get money phase for a little bit too long. Yeah. And now it's it's going to this stripper face yeah, yeah and and, and yeah yeah stripper and what else i mean what the else thought, would you call the it? thought age uh, i mean i also gun violence is you know it's glorifying you no know, violence uh mm-hmm. also to say the least i just hope that talked about in the last episode we talked about ai right mm. i just hope that could because you think about it a lot of artists are selling the catalogs mm-hmm. you know, to different companies. And you're wondering, okay, what plans do they have you know, for this for this all this wonderful music that's being sold to them? So I'm hoping that AI doesn't doesn't take over this music and, and creates their own I don't know. I just I I'm just curious to know what, what the plans are as far as like I some mean, of the- I feel like it's just like we were saying before, that they were pushing certain music, even though artists were still creating the good music, but they were only pushing certain music. And that's pretty much what's going to happen with AI is they're going to be pushing a certain type of music and certain messages. Mm. And we need to stay true to the real artists. I saw a recent interview with LL Cool J and he was asked about hip hop today, the state of hip hop today. And it was interesting that he never even commented directly to what was being produced today, which was kind of interesting <laughs> and funny. He, his words were, and I'm just paraphrasing it, was that the fact that many of the pioneers from back in the day are still celebrated today gives me hope for hip hop. And that was I guess this way of saying right now is crap and nothing's yeah you know I mean happening here. But I don't want to I don't want to frown and shower upon negativity upon what our younger and somewhat and some more seasoned people I should say are doing with with the culture. However, we need to get back to basics. And get, we need your, to remember. Your, no, go ahead. I was like, get your get your pen up, get your lyrics, and just start talking about something relevant. You know, talk about really start saying something that we can relate to because I think that's where I'm lost. It's like you know, uh, go back to educating us. Yeah, educate us about things that our community may not know. We used to do that. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, to say the least, in the world that we live in. There's plenty to talk about. It's just a matter of them talking about it as opposed to growing, taking certain aspects of it and glorifying it in their own little way whatnot. But I'm not going to say hip-hop is is dying. I, I think it's sick. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's sick right now. And it, it, it really needs some type of, some, some, some artists that can kind of like... Give it a jolt. Exactly. And be consistent, and be and consistent it, with it. I mean, there's a there's a lot of pockets, I should say, of these artists that are really, really, truly maintaining that torch. They just need that support behind whether it's a label, a movement of fans, or something that will bring them to the forefront. And they all need to be consistent, you know, stay the course. 
don't Absolutely. be quick to jump on these these trends mm. and, and and because it's a trend i mean some of the what well, they say hip-hop was a trend too however it did, but it's still here yeah yeah but as far as where it is right now we are, yeah we're in a fade different phase and hip-hop is going in and out of different phases i'm curious to see where it goes i don't see it dying i don't ever see this genre dying because there will always be we'll, a ghetto we won't allow it we will yeah that's all there will it. always be a ghetto there will always be a, some type of struggle for us to, to talk about in a song so that aspect of it hip-hop will remain because it created that foundation for that to be sustained but uh, outside of that y'all get get your get your pen up get your pad and get get working Get working with some and, thought and some intelligence with it. Yeah. And, you know, Ice Cube said something that was very poignant, that even back in the day, there was trash, trash artists. Oh, yeah. And, and of course. Yeah. But now it seems to be more trash than the other. Mm-hmm. But the trash is celebrated. The trash is actually <laughs> celebrated. So, but we need so. to remember, like I said, LL has an album out. Busta had a good album out. Mm-hmm. We need to keep listening for Kenneth Lamar and J. Cole and the good artists that are out there. Any yeah. of our old heads Kid that Capri are putting out an album. album. Kid Capri. Capri had a Kid Capri had an album out. Yep. Any of our old heads that have an album out, we need to go out and get that sucker. Play that sucker. Oh my god, that Kid Capri album was oh goodness. So see, uh, I need to go get that. Let me write that down. Kid Capri. <laughs> Yeah, but that being said, but but that being said, everybody, even though it's the end of this particular episode, you better stay tuned because we got more. Because this was just a skim. This was just just a skim. skim. This This is just the beginning. We got to celebrate. It was like a quick grab. What first came to our mind, we just threw it down onto the list because we knew we had so much to dig through. So stay tuned. There's more. Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better, Byron. So again, like us on Facebook. And we've got the good, good experience. Also on Instagram. Also, don't forget on to listen YouTube. To on YouTube now. There you go. I, we are on now YouTube. on YouTube. We are now on YouTube, guys. We are now on YouTube. So go to our YouTube page. We've got the good, good experience. Also, don't forget the people in Bainbridge. We're on at one o'clock p.m. on Saturdays on WKLD LPFM ninety-two point seven. Check us out there. And again, until next time, this is just part one, guys. We'll be back really, real soon with part two as we celebrate fifty years of hip-hop here with the We've Got the Good Good Experience podcast for Marcus Moses, Kimmy Brown, Byron Dino Brown. Till next time, guys, don't just be good, but be good, good to each other. Yeah. Take care. Have a good day, good, good family. Take care, everybody. <laughs>